Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. Uh, this week we're discussing Season 1, Episode 10, Death by Misadventure. Which is a weird name, because, like, what does that have to do with the plot of the episode? Um, a woman is murdered. Right. And a man. So that's and like... a man. So it has something to do with part of the plot of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> But it always confuses me because it's like, you know, the Adventuresses Club. That's like a totally different episode. Yeah. Like that that would be a much better Death by Misadventure episode. Yeah. Well, that's not the episode that we're reviewing today. today. <laughs> What's that one called? I, I don't remember. I don't remember either. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Hard, we got that. <laughs> hardcore fans would know, but we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess also the murderer is a woman. So maybe right. she's yeah. the misadventure, but she doesn't seem super adventurous. So none of what happens in this episode seems like an adventure. None of it. Yeah, overall, it's like really sort of dark and sad, and everything about it is is rather heartbreaking. So you might you might even say gruesome. Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, that probably answers the question <laughs> of what you thought of this episode overall. But <laughs> well, I actually really like this one. Um, I mean, there's no, there's not really like enough sexual tension for me. In fact, there seems to be, like, none, unless I miss something. Um, but I like that it's got a lot of Dr. Mac in it, yes. and I think that the murder... Like, I just like the murder in this one. It seems more realistic than, like, some of the other ones. Well... I mean, it's not... Okay, it's not very realistic, but... <laughs> I'd say the first murder is realistic. The second murder is a little bit of a strap. Oh, yeah, I do have some thoughts on that, but... Uh, but, yeah, I also like, you know, the Dr. Max screen time. And I also like that in this episode, the side plot is doesn't take up too much too much air. Like, it, it's there, but it's not, like, overpowering the episode, which I enjoy, because I feel like sometimes the side plot takes up too much of the episode. And we all know that I like to be focused on the, the mystery, so, yeah. I actually don't even really remember what the side plot is. Um, it, Unless it's that... Um, oh, oh, that's Murdoch foil, right? Right, because it's, 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 it's very limited. It's your favorite side plot. <laughs> yeah, but it's like really limited. Yeah, that's how what, much of it. I kind of like that because I enjoy the side plot, but I like that it's not super. So, in moderation, yeah. the The other thing I don't like about this is that, like, you think that that like the killer is going to be either like the misogynist factory owner or like the capitalist mm-hmm. boss sister mm-hmm. or the surly conniving foreman. And then no, it's none of those three like very deserving jerks. Yeah. So I, that bothers me. I actually misremembered the murderer. I have it in my notes. And then I realized that I remembered it as being one of the obvious <laughs> suspects. And I was wrong. I was wrong. Because yeah. Did you think it was... Did you think it was the sister? Yeah. I thought it was the sister and the foreman, like, in cahoots. And I just, like, totally have rewritten this episode in my head, apparently, so. Well, they were in cahoots. <laughs> in cahoots, <laughs> if you know what I mean. All right. Well, I guess we, we should probably get into yes. it. Um, um, so the cold open is a factory with some, like, close-up on ominous machines and we witness a woman engaged in a fight with an unseen person, and then that person throws her into one of the machines, and it is so gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... The, the machinery is spinning very fast. It's very... There's a lot of belts and gears, and oh, oh yeah, it really... It's horrible. It's like the most gruesome mm-hmm. murder that we ever get, I think, in all three seasons. Mm-hmm. It's really bad, and they, like... I mean, they don't really show it, but you know what's happening. Well, they, I mean, they kind of, like, they kind of do, though, because you see her go into the machine, and then you see her legs sticking out, and you're like, oh, God. And then the legs, like, jerk as she's pulled further into the machine, and she's pulled all the way in. And then I don't think, I don't think we see the blood No, we don't. That's kind of what I was thinking of. Like, they don't show that until, like, the investigation portion, but, yeah. But the the jerking of the legs is, like... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it is a murder show, and in the first episode we complained that the death wasn't gruesome enough and wasn't prolonged enough, so you get what you, you, get what you ask for. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind. Like, also I think, like, a real action or horror movie fan would probably describe this as mild, but, like, I would never, yeah. like, describe myself as a Tarantino fan, for example. No. So, like, this is just enough for me anymore, and I would not like it. Yeah. Um... So then we cut to Phryne, like, laying in bed of a morning, as she's wont to do. And then 
her morning is ruined by Mr. Butler, Butler waking her up to tell her that Dr. Mac is there and doesn't see herself. Yeah, and then we see her and she is like shook. Yeah. Like you never see yeah. Mac this upset. And she, Mr. Butler brings her a glass of whiskey and she like knocks it back in one big old gulp. And he, he of course, arrives with a strong drink just as Franny is about to ask for one. So. <laughs> classic, yes. classic. Um, and so she's come to tell Franny about this uh, accident. Um, and she very artfully dodges the question of whether or not she knew the girl. I don't know if you noticed that, yes. but yeah. Franny's like, did you know her? And she's like, I was called to the scene. Yeah. And she thinks it's a murder. She doesn't think it was an accident. Yeah. And the woman's name was Daisy Miller, the murder victim. Daisy. Right. And we never really see her, I guess. Well, I guess in the cold open. Yeah, we see her face in the cold open. Um, she also, Max says that Gaskin and his foreman were skulking around. Suspicious. They do, they do seem to do a lot of skulking. That's kind of like the foreman's main job description is skulking, it seems like. It's like yeah, nobody likes a foreman. Skulking and other duties as assigned. <laughs> Beatings. Intimidation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then Mac and Miss Fisher uh, go off to the factory, and it, Mac tells Miss Fisher to pretend to be her nurse, which she, like, she never adopts this pretense. Also, <laughs> she's, she's also, like, wearing this, like, powder blue coat with a white fringe, and Mac is like, well, if anyone asks, you're my nurse. And it's like, no. no oh, my God. <laughs> no. No. So we also find out that Mac goes to the hospital regularly to treat the owner, um, Gaskin, who gets injections for what I have in my notes is his very black heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And Do- Dr. Mac seems to know all the ladies in the factory pretty well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not. And yeah. Gaskin, Gaskin obviously, like, hates Mac, and he just, like, wants these two meddling women to get out of there as soon as possible. That's, um, that and seems then she, to be the, the factory owner, doc owner default in this show. Yeah, I think it might be sort of a 1920s default. Yeah. Like, most men probably were just, like... Don't meddle in my business. Yeah. Um, and then Hugh has been, like, just puking over this gruesome incident, which, like, who can blame him? This woman's mm-hmm. body was, like, basically crushed, like an orange in a juicer, apparently. Oh, you were just saying how, <laughs> how much this affected you, and now you're making jokes about it. Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of my MO. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. I'll- but so, the point, like, the point is that Hugh is not investigating thoroughly because he's no. too grossed out, and so he just signs off on an accident. And also, so then we, Franny runs into Mr. Gaskin, who of course knows Prudence because he's on the hospital board. So, mm-hmm. and he seems to be perfectly satisfied with Hugh's investigations. Um, and Franny is not convinced. So, yeah. Oh, also, I have in my notes that in this scene, the coat that you mentioned is really like beautiful, and it looks mm-hmm. a lot like the wrap that you have that you wore on Halloween. Oh, a little bit. I mean, the wrap does yeah. not involve any fringe or fur. So it's, but yeah, it is, the wrap was bought, you know, to be part of the costume. So. <laughs> well, it's sort of like a, I don't know what the word is, like an embossed velvet yeah. where there are like yeah. patterns in the velvet. Yeah. Yep. Similar. Yep. Um, all right. So next we're off to the station. Wait, 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 wait. To- First, Franny finds a clue. We don't have our gong, but maybe we can add the noise in later. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. She finds a yes. clue. Um, Because she touches the blood on the railing, and according to the official report that Hugh has signed off on at Mr. Gaskin's behest, she came into work at 8 a.m. and turned on the machine and got her hair caught in the cogs. But the blood is dry, so not enough time has elapsed for the timing correct, according to the report that Mr. Gaskin is supplying. So, Franny is very Right. So, she runs to the police station, of course. Um, so... Yeah, so she's off to see Jack, and as usual, Jack thinks, like, it's got to be the simplest explanation, but, um, Miss, yeah, Miss Fisher tells him about the blood evidence that she found, um, and that's kind of the whole scene, I think. Yeah, and Jack seems interested because he's like, well, why did it take them so long to call the police if this, you know, what's going on here? So, I think yeah, Miss Fisher's evidence has convinced Jack that perhaps the report is not as straightforward as it seems and it never is. <laughs> what if that was just the end of the episode? It's like, oh, well, it was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like, well, don't need your services after all. And then Friday just She slipped home. in some grease. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then it's back to the factory um, where Miss Fisher returns with Jack and Hugh. And Gaskin is just like 
really annoyed about everything. Like he's annoyed about, about his sister Joyce t- telling him what to do, and he's annoyed about being questioned by Miss Fisher. So Jack um, kicks her out of the office where they're talking to him, providing her with a convenient snooping opportunity. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, that sure was not his intention. He also refers no. to Joyce, his sister, as his assistant, and you can just tell that it rankles so much with her. That woman is just like basically a ball of con- contained rage. I think. Oh yeah. She's like, assistant? Bitch, I run this place. (laughs) Um, And then we also, so Ted Colgan, the foreman, is the one who found the body. And again, Gaskin is like, work starts at eight. Um, So sticking to his story about it being an accident. Indeed. And Colgan is also the person who catches Miss Fisher as she just randomly pulls a small camera out of her bag and starts (laughs) taking pictures of the blood spatter, which I've never seen her with a camera before. (laughs) (laughs) Could it be a new skill of the week? (laughs) Um, well so i i thought that we were about to go into like delve into the shaky field of blood spatter analysis (laughs) which i like recently read this like long form article about how it's just complete bullshit and how like it people use it's like so overused and the people who do it have minimal qualifications and it has resulted in like many wrongful convictions but that's not really what happens so i'm glad no have you watched all the staircase on netflix it's like a true crime. No. I haven't gotten all the way through it because I just, I don't know, it wasn't my favorite. But the whole thing in that is it's it's a true story. This crime writer gets, like, his wife dies from falling down the stairs. And there's, like, the, mm-hmm. basically the trial hinges on this blood spatter analysis. And it's, like, in the documentary, it's, like, showing the trial. And it's, like, really confusing. And it's, like, basically both sides are saying that the blood spatters corroborates their story. So, yeah. The good news is in this episode, they're not actually using the trajectories. It's just the the dryness of the blood, which I think probably is pretty solid sock lions. Yeah. Well, and also what she notices when she takes the pictures is that the safety guard yes. doesn't have any blood on it, indicating that it, like, wasn't there at the time of the accident. Right. And Which seems like, Mrs. Gaskin, you know, that's reasonable. Mrs. Gaskin had said, oh, there's guards in the machines for safety, so it must have been removed. Like, she's trying to blame the workers, like, you know. They took it off to make it easy, their jobs easier at their own peril. Just stupid. Hmm. Um, hmm. And then also, uh, before Franny pulls out the camera and everything, Joyce, at back in the office, Joyce is acting concerned about Mr. Gaskin's heart because he didn't get his injection, which comes to play later. Mm, right. Yes. And so then, oh, I also like that Miss Fisher does a total nice lady routine when, um, Colgan catches her taking the photos and he's like 100% not fooled at all. He's like, oh, I've been warned about you. (laughs) Which like, I mean, I think we need a compilate, like one of those YouTube compilations (laughs) that's just like Phryne's bluff getting called so hard. (laughs) Like, it's like every other episode. She's like, I'm just a woman alone. Just a friendly investigator. Oh, and then these dudes are like, oh no, get out. (laughs) I'll note that she did say she was Dr. Max nurse. Nope. Um, so then it's back to the station where Jack now agrees that the death is suspicious, but he tells Miss Fisher to stay out of it because Gaskin says she can't come back to the factory. And wants her charged with trespass. <laughs> trespass? And Friday says, How can it be trespass when I arrived with the police? <laughs> So then back at Miss Fisher's house, um, she is forcing a suddenly very squeamish Mac Mm -hmm. to look at the photographs um, of the blood, which demonstrate that the safety guards weren't in place. Yeah, there's no blood on the safety guards. Yeah, and Mac says that the the girls reported they were forced to work without them for speed. um, And also the dead girl, Daisy, had told Mac that she was gathering evidence that Gaskin was up to something illegal. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Max says she'll gather some more, she'll try to find some more info on that when she goes back to give Gaskin his injection. Um, but a better idea is to get Dot a new assignment and build her skill set as an investigator. <laughs> so, time for a new assignment for Dot. Undercover Dot. We don't get a lot of that. I mean, there was the first episode and others this. I can't think of any other examples of Undercover Dot. Undercover Dot sounds like a great spinoff, though. Yeah, too bad we're not getting that. Getting Miss Fisher's modern murder, murder mysteries, yeah. which I'm sure will be great. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm pretty excited about that too. I just feel like we have several more spinoffs that we have mentioned that also need to get produced. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think there can be too many. 
Miss Fisher spinoffs, for my liking. No. And give me the Dr. Mac medical drama that I deserve. Dr. Mac medical (laughs) drama, undercover dot, um, and then also Phryne and Camellia doing, like, martial arts together. (laughs) This is my list so far of needed spinoffs. Oh my gosh. Okay, so then Dot shows up for her job interview, and, um... She tells, like, a sob story about her how she needs a job because her mom's sick or something. And the Joyce, the factory owner, is like, bitch, you have no skills. But then Dot's like, I'm really good at making tea, which is ridiculous because it's not hard to make tea at all. Also, yeah, like, it's like, what timing? The tea comes in as the job interview. Like, that's just a very lucky coincidence. And I'm just saying, my last job search probably would have gone a lot better if I'd been Dot, because she's just like, oh, I don't know, I don't have any skills. And it's like, oh, here's this thing that I can do perfectly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in my last job, my my last job interview, they were like, are you familiar with this JavaScript library? And I was like, no. And then they were like, can you make tea? And I was like, yes. And then they hired me. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't, you know... I don't have any grant writing experience, but I do know how to make tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so it does work for Dot, and we find out she's going to be working with Hetty, um, who is seems like kind of a weirdo and uh, like also doesn't want to gossip with Dot. Um, Even though which, we I mean, know like, she gossips. Yeah, and we we know every tea lady gossips. Come on, I mean it's like the tea lady thing. Yeah. Um, so then they wait, serve wait, tea to the guests. Can you imagine if your work had a tea lady? That you're just, like, sitting there working away in the afternoon, and it's all this cart rolls up with, like, a cup of tea. And it's, like, two, <laughs> two people working this cart to hand you tea in the afternoon. Oh, my God. Two people. Yeah, like, two full employees. You know, I was what I was thinking during the scene was how, like, in that time, like, goods were so expensive, but labor was so cheap. And I was like, labor's so cheap, they can afford two tea ladies. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, they weren't even planning to hire a second tea lady. It's just, like, this woman rambled into the office and was like, oh, I know how to make tea. And then they just hired another tea lady. Like, what if someone, what if if someone, like, wandered into your work and was like, well, I know how you do your job. And they're just like, okay, we'll hire you and just have both of you on staff. No. Yeah, like, no, I'm pretty sure that would result in my termination. Right. Well, maybe that's why Hattie is grumbling so much. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Um, have you ever seen the movie Irina Palm? No. Um, well, it's about this grandmother who, like, her grandson is really sick, so she decides she needs to get a job to help pay for this surgery that he needs, and she can't get a job because she has no experience, and then finally she, she, answer, she answers an ad for a hostess. But it's not a hostess. Oh, no. (laughs) And the guy's like, you're a grandma. You can't be a hostess. But you can work this, like, glory hole job where she, like, literally (laughs) just gives hand jobs. But she's she's got, like, really soft hands. It's actually kind of a... It's, like, a good movie. But um, she's got really soft hands. So I guess she's so good at it that, like, the other woman who works at that station gets, like, fired. And she's like, I have kids. Like, fuck you. And it's, like, sad. So this is the same situation, basically. Basically, I mean, Hetty seems to be concerned about her job. Also, we can cut this, but I don't know. Dot probably gives decent hand jobs. <laughs> we can cut the whole hand job bit. <laughs> oh my god! I think Dot would be like, "Hugh Collins, put that away." <laughs> oh man! Um, so Dot. Despite Hetty saying that she's not a gossip, Dot tries to gossip with her and asks her about Mr. Gas- Gaskin, and she says, oh, he's he's not very nice, and then scolds Dot again for asking for gossip. Yeah. And then, you know what I noticed during the tea-serving scene is that, well, so first Dot notices the book that mm-hmm. Joyce, the sister, is trying to hide, so it's a clue. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, and then there's, like, a weird moment where... Um, Dot, Dot serves the tea to Mr. Gaskin, and he's like, who made this tea? And then he's like, it's so good. And then there's, like, there's a weird exchange of looks between Hetty and Gaskin. Like, I don't know if you notice this, but they, they have sort of, like, they sort of smile at each other, and Hetty looks sort of like, ooh And I was thinking, like, oh, these two are having an affair. But that's, it's just never followed up. I think it's just, like, bad acting. No, 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 because Gaskin, like, gave her, this is why she had so much access to the factories, because, like, he kind of had her be his eyes and ears. So they, I don't think they're, ha- they're not having an affair, but, like, she's his, like, woman on, oh, his woman on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But why does he, why does she give him that weird flirtatious look? Also, like, what was Hetty doing? Sorry, we can, like, cut half of this about the tea ladies, but, like, what was she doing <laughs> to the tea? Again, it's not hard to make tea. What was she doing to the tea? I guess maybe because it was a large quantity, but, like, I mean, you just, when you're scaling up, you just have to measure, you know? Maybe she was oversteeping it or not putting enough in or something, but, like, I mean, really. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, so then we go back to Miss Fisher's house, uh, where Dot, um, fills her in on the day's work, and Miss Fisher immediately is like, could you steal this important book? And I'm picturing myself, like, sneaking into the CEO's office and taking some papers, and like, fuck no. <laughs> also, like, how did she know? Like, oh, I guess because Mrs. Gaskin, like, hastily hides it when Dot walks in. Like, oh, you should knock next time. But, like, it's very convenient that that turned out to be a pivotal clue in the murder. And isn't it always, <laughs> listeners, isn't it always? <laughs> um, and then Aunt P shows up and like, what, what could it be for? Could it be scolding? Of course <laughs> Is she here to scolding. scold? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's so good at scolding. She's so good at it. She's, she's a professional. <laughs> but in this case, I think it is actually a little bit more of a warning. Yeah. She just wants to tell Miss Fisher that... Gaskin is a big donor to the hospital, and he knows about Mac's unusual preference for women. Although she's and not one he... to share gossip. Nope. <laughs> the listeners can't see the face I am making. But... Oh, yeah. And then also, yeah, she's been giving unchristian advice to the factory girls, which sounds like family planning to me. Family planning? <laughs> yes. And so he knows about this, and he will report it to the board if Miss Fisher does not keep her nose out of this. Um, also, I love that Prudence refers to Mr. Gaskin as a member of the manufacturing class who's trying to buy status. But she obviously <laughs> wants money for the hospital, so. Yes. And then also, I mean, bless Aunt P, she says, what Mac does behind closed doors is between her and her maker, so. <laughs> Which I'm not sure is, is truly kind, but, you know. I mean, for its time. You know, for its time. Yeah, but it's not that whole thing, like, I'm not judging you, but God's definitely judging you. Like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So then, back at the factory, Dot punches her card and notices a, a suspicious exchange between the foreman, Colgan, and another worker. And then we also get a lot more scary machine close-ups. <laughs> Um, and I think also, I mean, I want to note that I knew from the first moment that Miss Fisher suggested that Dot go undercover at the factory that there would be a, a moment where Dot is like dangling over a, a like of the course. maws of, of a machine that's just threatening to fucking grind her up and, you know, just juice her, basically. See, this is why <laughs> Undercover Dot would be a great spinoff, because every time Dot goes undercover, like, there's there's just that moment of... of drama where it's like is she going to just get eaten by a machine or butchered with a bunch of rusty tools like <laughs> <laughs> so then i think back at the house we yeah. have uh Sess and bert discussing the situation well they're joking about taking dot to work and how they had to drop her off around the corner because a real like worker you know the real working class woman would be dropped off in a taxi <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. And then Sess hopes that she's not in trouble, you know, which she definitely is, so yeah, she's good nose on that one, Sess. Definitely a dangerous <laughs> situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also, like, I mean, I at first was concerned that Miss Fisher was sort of using Dot and putting her in a risky situation, but then I thought about it some more and I was like, no, what Miss Fisher is doing is trusting Dot's judgment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's fine. So. Yeah, she's build, like she's building her skill set as an investigator. It's like when your boss gives you a really challenging project that maybe you're not quite sure if you can pull off, but you know you're going to do it, and then when you pull it off, you get a promotion. Yeah, and I mean, Miss Fisher goes undercover, too, in different episodes, yeah. so it's like, you know, she, it's not like she's having Dot do something that she wouldn't do herself. Oh, no, 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 I think it's like Dot was the, the woman for the job, so she got sent in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Bert and Sess share many significant glances as they give Miss Fisher the mail, which seems to have come extremely early in the day, I want to note. Well, um, I think back then mail came multiple times. Like, there's the morning mail and the evening mail. Because, like, oh, yeah. You know, people right. were just, yeah, like, that's texting true. all day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if, like, imagine if people had, like, telegraph machines in their houses and they were, like, sending each other, like, Morse code. Like, yeah. <laughs> All day, and like, like teenagers yeah. just be like glued to the, the machine. I'd <laughs> be like, You up? <laughs> <laughs> like, just an emoji. Like, it's just like tap, 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 semicolon, tap, 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 right parenthesis. Like, wink, it's a winky face. Anyway. 
Um, yeah, so they are very suspicious of the mail because Miss Fisher has a letter from the county jail. An eerie music plays, so you know something is up. Could it be our random side plot? <laughs> I think it is. Also, I want to note that Murdoch Foyle has really beautiful handwriting. It's just really, oh, yeah. I mean, it's really gorgeous. Well, he is a psychopath, so presumably one of his, like, obsessions is having really good handwriting. That doesn't make any yeah, sense. I think, well, I don't know. I mean, who knows? <laughs> so then, back at the factory. Once again, Hetty is not a fan of Dot's many questions. And, like, Dot's not super subtle. <laughs> no! Again, this is a skill that she needs to build these skills, so. Yeah. Um, and then Dot comes in and Dot or Mac comes in and Dot's like, oh, what a coincidence. I know exactly how you like your tea. And then Dot sees that Joyce is out of her office and sneaks in to get the book and almost gets caught stealing pages, but doesn't, like, just for suspense purposes. Yeah, she, like, hides under the desk and Mr. Gaskin comes in and then luckily leaves. Yeah, but she manages to rip a couple of pages out of the book. um, And the pages, it looks like they're showing extra shifts being worked. Um... And then Dot tries to question a woman about it, the woman that we saw earlier mm-hmm. having a suspicious exchange with Cole again. And then just at that very moment, Cole or Gaskin <laughs> falls right out of the window, right in front of them, and blood actually spatters onto Dot's face. <laughs> of course, because, you know, of course, Dot witnesses the second murder. Yep. And she also notices that Colgan and Joyce are in the window, like right above where the where Gaskin has fallen out. Dun dun! So they were like... Yeah, they look. They were like there. Yeah, I don't know. I have much. I don't have much else to say about that scene. Yep, that's he's dead. He's dead now. Done. Dead as a doornail. And then back at the house, Miss Fisher is reading the letter from Foyle in her bedroom, and she's wearing a, a beautiful beaded blouse. But I hate the jacket. The jacket is ugly. What is the jacket? It's like it's floral. What? She's wearing the black. I think she also wears this in the cafe scene in Murder in Montparnasse. It's like it's got this beaded yoke, and it actually has these weird like baggy sleeves oh, that I don't like yeah, the beating yeah. is beautiful yeah but the jacket is ugly uh and then yeah we find out blah 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 who cares foil has info for miss fisher he wants to make a deal and she gets interrupted by a call from dot at the factory dun, dun. <laughs> uh so then they, she goes to the crime scene and jack is like just rebuffing miss fisher's investigation which is weird because like where the cooperation in innuendo of last week has just evaporated I know. What, it's, it's like this episode happens out of sequence from the episode before it so i, I, I don't know yeah but yeah um friday's like oh i was just passing through and um she's like if i was easily discouraged you would have frightened me off at our first crime scene and he's like our first crime scene it's it's pretty cute <laughs> yeah meanwhile she's like it's been nine weeks since we met shall we go out to dinner like yeah. <laughs> it's our anniversary <laughs> um she's also wearing those really cool sunglasses again the really round ones that i just love oh yeah good stuff um and then jack and hugh go and interview Martha, I'm using quotes, Martha Driscoll, <laughs> a.k.a. Dot, um, and Hugh is, like, incredulous. <laughs> He's so He's like, is Hugh a good cop? Because this guy, he can't handle any sort of surprise. No, he can't. Um, he, But he thinks she could be in danger, which, spoiler, she is. <laughs> so then, um, I think Jack is interviewing Joyce and Colgan, yep. and they claim they were in the corridor when the accident happened, and they rushed into the room, and... Their story, he, he's interviewing them separately and their stories line up. Yeah. Uh, and then Colgan also offers up the information that Joyce is the real one in charge of the factory, obviously. Oh, I mean, yeah. Come on. <laughs> She's been running the place for years. Yeah. And then Joyce also notes that Dr. Mack came back to give Gaskin his injection. And that, Could it be a red herring? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, he was always agitated when the doctor came to give give him his injection. Yeah, because he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. um, but Mac so did then, come right before Gaskin died, so it's a little. Yes, sus- it's but, a red herring, but it's a little suspicious. It is, and then I mean, initially, so Jack and Miss Fisher go to talk to her, and she gives her timeline, you know, and that clears her, you know, yeah. because she gave him the injection well before he fell out the window. But then I put in my notes, and they're they're like satisfied with this at first. But I put in my notes like, did, how does that really clear it? Like, couldn't she have just lied about the timeline, even though she wrote it in her little book? Couldn't she have just been like, hmm, nine forty five administered injection, nine fifty two pushed man out window, but we won't put that in the record. <laughs> Ten a.m. back to the hospital. Like, I don't really get it, but 
Well, I think presumably because she had the record in her book and then like the record is of her seeing patients at the hospital, they could verify the times that are in her book with the patients. Yeah, I guess so. So I don't think they show all the like follow up on the checking of the alibi, but I think that it's enough information to, to cover her. That would be a boring show indeed if they showed that. <laughs> It'd be like like days long. It'd just be like Hugh like calling a bunch of people and them not picking up. Yeah, <laughs> being like, um, excuse me, is your your name is Martha Driscoll? Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah, that would be really can, boring. Can you spell that for the record? Thanks. Oh, uh, anyway. Also, oh, so wait. First, Jack compliments Dot's undercover work, back, like at the before they go to Question Mac, and I think that was nice. And also, I think Jack recognizes that Dot is way better at undercover work than Hugh would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the only thing that kind of has always bothered me about this pairing is that like. Jot is just clearly, like, better at everything than Hugh. So it's sort of one of those classic, like, sitcom pairings where it's, like, this hapless man and then his, like, extremely competent wife. Yeah, and I'm like, don't get me wrong, I like Hugh, but the man had needed help to reassemble a beer coaster, which is, like, about three inches square. Yeah, and it wasn't so that's not particularly that impressive. Fine, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so also in this scene, we find out that the injections were digitalis, which Joyce keeps locked up in a drawer in the office. Important information yes. there. Um, and I looked up digitalis, and it, it comes from foxglove. Uh, so this is like, you know, our second episode of the season involving, like, herbally derived poisons and remedies. Well, I think most... <laughs> Poisons and remedies are herbally derived. Yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> um, so it's used to treat various heart conditions, and in improper doses, it can also stop the heart. Mm. So th- this seems like it would have been a, a prime time for, like, a prime opportunity for him to have just been injected with too much digitalis, but that's not what happens, so. Well, because the whole... Mac, Mac would have noticed, exactly. I guess. Exactly, it hinged on Mac just doing the injection like normal. But it's still killing him. Yeah. Um, also, is in your research, isn't digitalis still, like, the com- main component in a lot of, like, heart medicine? Yeah, it's still used. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like I've heard of it before. Um, so then they go out for a smoke break, which is weird because Mac's a doctor, but I guess they didn't know smoking was bad back then. I think they might have known. I don't know. But also, do you notice that Miss Fisher never smokes? And neither yeah. does Jack. I also don't think Mac smokes that much, but, like, Lee's had a hard She's week. had a rough yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and they discuss the letter from Murdoch Foyle, and Mac's like, don't fuck with that asshole. He's just toying with you. But Friday really wants to know the truth about what happened to Janie, which is what yeah. Foyle is, is sort of dangling in front of her. Yep. So that's the end of that scene. And then back at the house, Dot has got her feet soaking, which is cute. <laughs> <laughs> and the commie cabbies are lamenting the plight of the worker. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. Yep. And Dot's not ready to leave the factory yet, even though she just witnessed this brutal murder. Um, because she wants to solve the case. So then um, she's relating the details to Miss Fisher. Um, and they theorize that maybe Gaskin found out about the extra shifts. Mm-hmm. And that's why Colgan and Joyce killed him. Um, so then they, they decide they need to investigate this. So a late night trip to the factory is just penciled into everyone's calendars at this point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and oh, I, and then this, Aunt Pete is back this time for a real scold. I also have in my notes. <laughs> um, also, going back to the secret knife shift, so I think they find Daisy in the book, so she was working secret knife. Yeah, she was in the book, yep. that's right. So they confirm that that's the connection. Yep. And then... Aunt P is very upset that Mac, Dr. Mac, was arrested in front of everyone at the hospital. And she describes Jack as that dual oh, inspector. So <laughs> Which is like, I mean, yeah, yeah, he kind of is. <laughs> the dual inspector you were so fond of. Yeah, she is pretty fond of them. <laughs> so then it turns out that Gaskin was injected with bleach. Um, which is what caused him to have a heart attack, and he was dead before he even hit the pavement. Which, like, I mean, doesn't it take you kind of a while to die from a heart attack? Like, it's not immediate, but, I mean, I I say this every episode. Yeah, again, the deaths all happen with great rapidity, which perhaps not very accurate, but... I don't know, though, if you got bleach 
injected into like major arteries that might kill you quickly yeah although i mean they do show a they show a clip of the injection happening and she's giving it to him right in the butt yeah it's like the main yeah it's just like right to the bloodstream isn't that like the muscle though when you get it in the butt oh maybe i don't know a lot about injections um but then uh miss fisher in this scene really goes to bat for dr mac and she reveals the extra shift ledger to jack that dot has stolen and that Um, joyce had the key to the drawer with the digitalis yes yes so then um the next scene is our late night rendezvous with the factory and i have to admit i i have no idea what's going on with this so i hope you do i was like what's this is confusing (laughs) So like Colgan's accepting a delivery and Miss Fisher goes in to see what it what this delivery is while Bert distracts Colgan by pretending to be a drunk. Yeah, well, it's confusing about that. You described exactly what well, happens in the scene. Yeah, but, like, I just don't understand, like, what is the nature of, like, what makes this late night delivery shady? Oh, well, nothing. So I also have this written down, was this necessary? Presumably the boxes were whatever was being made in the factory, which they were. It was just, like, pipe fittings in the box. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. cool. I guess that, I mean, it confirms that they were, like, having extra shifts to, to like, produce things that they were selling on the sly. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I also have in my notes for this scene that Colgan is surprisingly nice to Bert. Yeah. Who's just, like being totally obnoxious, which is, well, you know, it's interesting, um, but I guess ultimately he isn't the murderer, and aside from being an asshole, hasn't really done anything wrong, so I guess, you know. Yeah, and he probably looks at it like, hey, all these ladies could use a little extra money, so it's like I'm kind of doing them a favor, and, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Colgan is the unsung hero of this episode, because he also sticks up for Mrs. Gaskin, who's like, you know, getting the raw end of the deal, she's doing all the work, getting none of the credit, except Colgan's like, hey, like, she's doing all the work. Yeah, well, he's sticking something to her. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's working on a little more, a few more pipes than those pipe fitting. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's working overtime. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is our second episode in a row with an, an illicit office romance. Yeah. Rob and I were just ranting about this the other day. How come in TV shows, like, everyone is always cheating on each other? It's like every TV show. This is a part of the plot. It makes, it really It's true. Because I'm like, in real, it's, like, yeah, people cheat on each other in real life, but like, this is all the time in TV shows. Like, every, every TV show. Yeah, I think about that too, because like, in real life, when someone cheats on you, like, all your friends would be like, dump them immediately. Unforgivable. Like, that's unforgivable. Yeah. But then in TV, it's it's often, like, a sympathetic portrayal. And you're like, yeah. okay, well, this is a double standard. My theory is that it's all, like, a lot of, probably, this is not the case with Ms. Fisher, but in a lot of cases, it's, like, you know, really rich, powerful Hollywood people that are, like, trying to justify their own actions and their own bad behavior. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Anyways, I mean, I mean, also, like, it's just a really easy baked in conflict, like, because I think in real life, people just meet and they like each other and they go on dates and then everything's fine. And then they just like get married and then they're happy, you know, like, yeah, but that's real. And there's, there's, yeah, there's no conflicts there. But if you invent like infidelity, then that's more interesting. Yeah. So which is why it's kind of nice in Miss Fisher that like, she's very much like, like she has liaisons, but it's not infidelity because it's like and with jack who's married like they never cross that line while he's still married yeah that's true but you know what it also makes a lot of sense in a murder mystery scenario because it's something that people would lie about oh yeah it's It's, like all the time in murder mysteries it's a plot yeah because yeah people are lying about it and it's often like sort of a red herring because people are lying about it to hide their indiscretions and it kind of cast blame on them for the murder. So it's a very convenient plot device. Yeah, exactly. All right. So then um, in the next scene, Miss Fisher's in her bedroom and she notices that Mr. B has retrieved her crumpled note from foil and placed it on her vanity, um, which is stupid, really, um, except for you get a close-up of her all her fancy perfume bottles on her vanity. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it's a little creepy because... It, you don't find out right away that Mr. Butler did it, so it's almost like, I don't know, it's like a little creepy, yeah. like, did foil come in? Yeah. Um, and then he comes in, I mean, he comes in in his pajamas and reveals that it was him. <laughs> and then I think it's kind of weird that he's in her bedroom in his pajamas, and I had this whole, like, alternate universe 
um, fantasy, well, not really fantasy, but, like, daydream, where these two would have, like, a passionate affair. No. Where they talk about their... <laughs> where they talk about their dead loved ones because he's like, oh, well, I miss Mrs. Butler, too, just like you miss your Janie. And then I picture them just, like, I don't know, having, like, just real tender moments. And I know it's ridiculous, but that's just I, what I made me think of. And I'm, I'm horrified. I, I don't want to read this fan fiction, to be clear. Don't write it. But <laughs> I'm horrified. I just, like, can't even imagine that. Okay, but... Observe, Mr. B is a giving and generous man who seems to anticipate everyone's needs. So, what does that say to you? Well, he'd be a good lover, but I'm just saying the pairing is like, no. Yeah, no. But, I mean... <laughs> also, I, mean, I think he's smart. <laughs> he's true to Mrs. Butler, always. Yeah, but I think, like, I mean, you know, happiness for Mr. Butler. Like, you don't have to be a widower forever. You don't think he's happy? I think he finds a lot of satisfaction in his work. Yeah, but he could also find a lot of satisfaction by getting laid. So, maybe in the movie he'll have a love interest, but I I doubt it. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I think he he really likes his job. He's really good at it. He's in a, like, it's, like, interesting. He's sort of taken Dot under his wing, and he, like, gives her advice and helps her along, and, you know, on how to blackmail her priest and all of that. (laughs) Uh, And I just in his life and I don't think he's looking for love but maybe I'm wrong sometimes love finds you right when you're not looking for it (laughs) I'm so disturbed I'm so disturbed okay I mean he was standing there in her bedroom in his pajamas and they shared a tender moment okay it was a tender moment moment without it I'm just saying I don't want it to happen. Don't, please don't write the fan fiction, listeners. Or do, and send me the link. Oh, I'll still be horrified. Goodness. You're shameless. Um, shameless. <laughs> but please, let's, let's, let's make it a teen rated. You know, I don't, I don't want the details. Well, anyway. What's the point of fan fiction if you don't have the details? Well, I mean, I think I've read more fan fiction than you. You've definitely read more fan fiction than me. <laughs> and more than just this particular fandom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, see you on Archive of Our Own, listeners. Um, so then my next line of notes is uh, irritate, irritating side plot at the city jail. Who cares? That's all I've got. All right. Well, <laughs> don't worry, because I took more notes on the scene. I knew you would. As a meticulous <laughs> documenter of this show. Um, so the mm-hmm. eerie music returns, obviously. Um, so Friday has gone to see Foil in jail it seems like that night which is confusing because it's like and once again she's the only visitor and she gets her whole own like visitor's hallway once again and it's like midnight but maybe it's because she's like influential in the city and she has like she pulls some strings i don't know um well i mean she did recently have the mayor arrested for like murder and child molestation so right sure everyone's really thrilled with her that did happen like last week i mean i don't know what the time show is it might have been longer ago <laughs> i just i just have in my notes this prison seems to have very lenient visiting policies yes um so foil again offers to tell her what happened to her sister in exchange for his freedom which i have that's a terrible deal like that's not a good fair exchange no no um so she tells him to rot in hell yeah I would have been like, yeah, how about, like, instead of securing your release, I just, like, send you more money for the canteen so you can buy, like, Twinkies and stuff or, like... Yeah, that seems like a more fair exchange. (laughs) Or, like, you tell me what happened and I won't press charges, but he's already in prison, so... Yeah. Anyway, she doesn't take the deal, which is good. Seems like the right call. Nope. Yeah. So then, um, after that, uh, I have in my notes that a triumphant Miss Fisher <laughs> returns to the factory with Jack to confront Joyce. Um, and she's wearing like this fantastic then, red suit, just you know, just to really drive home her her triumphant return. Oh yeah, she's wearing her power colors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I literally have in my notes and my next line is, "I don't know what's going on here with these secret deliveries." Hopefully, Genevieve does. <laughs> You don't either, do you? Well, no, it's the it's the extra stuff that they're making on the secret shifts. 
that they're selling on the side. But why do they have to be so secretive about it? Because if they're selling all this, like, extra pipe fittings that aren't accounted for in the, like, daytime work hours, how are they going to explain that? Also, they don't get to keep the money if it just goes to, like, like, I think it's a sideline for Mrs. Gaskin and Colgan. Oh, they're right. Like, so they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah right. Like, so they're keeping it a secret from the brother, so that's why. Yeah, right. so they that can keep all sense. the money. Um, so, yeah, she makes some side, snide comment yeah. about him being tired after lifting all the crates the night before and then breezes on by in her red suit. <laughs> um, and then Hugh gets sent to oh, go wait, wait, look wait. through so, the trash. <laughs> yeah, sorry, before that, so Jack also asks Mrs. Gaskin about the, the deliveries, and she just, like, blames it all on Colgan and says he'll be reprimanded. And then Brian kind of, like, challenges her about the sideline. Like, hey, lady, you're in on this, too. And yeah. then Jack produces the ledger to be like, boom, and I have proof. Yeah. All right. I skipped all that important information. <laughs> so then Friday finds a clue in the wastebasket. Dong! A clue! Dong, dong! Um, and it's bleach spots, so then Hugh is sent to go look for the bleach. Right. Um, and this reminded me of um, something you said once when you were still the office manager at our, our office. <laughs> oh, what? Um, when we worked together. What it is. And you said that you someday you wanted to have a job where you <laughs> didn't have to take out the recycling. <laughs> Which was for sure the mood that Hugh was exhibiting oh. as he angrily sorted through the trash. Oh, yeah. I 100% <laughs> know what he was going through in this situation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So the rubbish that he was going through seems to be mostly broken chairs and rushes, which was not the case with recycling at the office. It was mostly cardboard. But, like, why does this factory produce so many broken chairs and, like, straw and rushes? I don't know. Yeah. You'd think it would be more like, I mean, I don't know. Like tea bags. Tea bags. Well, it's the, and so then Dot comes out, like, to say hello, or maybe she, she's throwing something away, I think. Yeah, I think she's she's throwing something away. Oh, Okay. And Hugh, once um, and again, Hugh, tries Hugh to blow still, her cover. Yes. So he's still angry. Um, and Hetty is like, is he bothering you? And then she um, insults him, which is pretty funny. And Dot's like, you bitch. That's my fancy man. <laughs> well, she asked, I love Hetty asked her if the copper was getting fresh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I give hand jobs all the time. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dots like just right picks up right again on trying to gossip and says she can't believe they arrested Doctor Mac and Hetty said yeah and then Hetty says she's oh, not surprised that they arrested the doctor because she thinks she's up to some unnatural business which is pretty hypocritical yeah Hetty's a, a very disturbed character I mean yeah she is I think she deserves our pity really I more know. than anything else that's kind of how I feel um so also, then D- Dot tells Hetty to go to the police and she does yeah and also. Um, this is where Hetty tells Dot that Mr. Gaskin had asked her to keep an eye on the place. So that's why. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. I didn't write that down. Yep. Anyways, and then she goes to the cops. Um, and we find out from that that Mac was advising the women on family planning, which, I mean, hilarious how shocking that was apparently at the time, because now it's like literally taught to middle schoolers. Um, <laughs> well, in some states, I was not taught that in yeah. middle school. Yeah. You weren't? Oh, no. No. You had, a, Ab- you had abstinence sex abstinence ed? Abstinence only sex ed. Oof. So, Mac was advising the women on family planning. She arranged an abortion for one of them. (gasps) Shocking. And she was doing unnatural things with Daisy, the murder victim. Shocking. All right, Hetty. Let's not, uh... Yeah. Let's not throw stones. Yeah. People who live in unnatural houses shouldn't throw stones. Although, Hetty is literally trying to frame Dr. Mac for murders that she committed at this point, so... Yeah, that's, that's true. Li- yeah, and I also want to be—I cl- also want to be clear that I do not consider this to be unnatural behavior. I'm just joking. It's very unnatural. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in the so Bible, it's a- Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So, <laughs> what about Eve and Genevieve? That's <laughs> just rhyming Eve with Eve. Yeah, that doesn't count as a rhyme. <laughs> I can't think also, of a name, a name that Adam rhymes with Steve Eve. Steve don't rhyme, so you'd need a, a name that rhymes with Adam. Yeah, I don't have one. Madam and Eve. Madam and Eve! <laughs> oh my god. Mad- Alright, we've had some wine. We've had some wine. <laughs> I'm completely sober. Alright. Um, yeah. So, Franny goes to talk to Mac, and 
she realizes that that the reason perhaps Mac is not treating this like, you know, in a clinical doctor sense is that she loved Daisy and the heartbreak continues. Yeah, slow on the uptake. God. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah, come on, Friday. You're supposed to be like best friends. Well, you didn't. <sighs> Anyways. It reminds me of Four Weddings and a Funeral where when the one character dies and then everyone suddenly realizes he was dating the other guy the entire time. And they were like, oh, we all thought we were just, you know, like destined to be single forever, but it turns out these guys were in love with each other. And it's like, you're best friends, <laughs> duh. How didn't you notice that? Such a quintessentially, like, 90s thing yeah. to happen. <laughs> well, this was the anyway. 20s, so I guess it's even more Yeah, and I mean, it's not, it's not like, it's... It's not like Miss Fisher didn't know that Mac preferred women. Right. I guess she just didn't know about this. I think Friday's yeah. just in, like, crime-solving mode. So she's like, ah, oh, we're, you know, and Mac was the doctor, attending doctor, so, like, she's gonna help me solve this case. It was just, like, so much in that mode that she wasn't. Yeah. She's like a bloodhound. Yeah. And then Hugh, I have, Hugh is still in the rubbish bin somehow. It's like, oh my god, me too. I have Hugh is still going <laughs> through the trash. Okay, <laughs> Presumably man. hours later. This is a man that needed assistance reassembling a beer coaster. He literally fell asleep because it took him so long to assemble the beer coaster. <laughs> so I guess it should surprise and us. He's, he's, he's still, still sifting in the like a raccoon. Yeah. But he finds the vial. So yes. victory for Hugh. So his hard work paid Yep, and it turns out there was a second hole in the vial, which is where the bleach was injected, and Mac didn't notice because she was distracted by Gaskin's hysterics. So this is a lesson, you know, don't act hysterical when you're being attended by a doctor because they might miss a poisoning attempt and you would die. For sure. So For sure, yeah. I mean, that's like, literally, I've been in the same situation and I calmed down and the doctor was like, wait, this (laughs) medication has been tampered with. This bottle is full of bleach. It's not a flu shot at all. <laughs> Literally, I've never gotten a flu shot, so So then we find out that Joyce and Colgan were having an affair because apparently this fact this factory is just like a love boat do, where do, everybody's do, getting it do, on. Do, 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 do. That's why I love boats. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she and Colgan were, like, getting it on in a storeroom, and she left her keys unattended during this little tryst. She says it's um, a matter then, of some delicacy, because Colgan is married. Yes. And they're, that is a matter of delicacy. They were doing inventory in the storeroom. Yeah, he was inventorying something, for sure. Yeah. Checking the stock. Um, <laughs> So then at this moment, Miss Fisher has some kind of brainwave and she must save Dot. Yeah. So this is um, the point where I realized, so I wrote my notes and I remembered the murderer at 308. And then here I'm like, oh, I misremembered the murderer. So this is my first failure. Your first, this is the first one for you? This is the first time I failed at anything in my life. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Stop. Um, so so then Dot um, notices in Hetty's locker that she has some letters addressed to Dearest Daisy, which is, like, a real sensitive thing to just have sitting at the top of your, like, work locker, which isn't very secure. Like, can you imagine? No, that, it's like, she literally it's like, just showed Dot how to break into the lockers. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine if you're, like, getting into, you're going into your gym locker and, like, the, like, mean other seventh grade girls are standing nearby and there's just a huge book right at the top of your locker and written right on it is, like, most secret diary, do not read. And it's just sitting there, like, you're fucking asking for it. You gotta keep this stuff concealed. I think Hetty, because Gaskin had, like, given her special privileges, I think she thought she was sort of, like, I don't know, she's safe. Untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dot, in a very clever undercover Dot move, scams her into telling her how to open the lock without a key, which was very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and Dot then she steals the letters and is very smart. She's a smart lady, yeah. So she steals the letters and she reads them. And, like, weirdly, she doesn't even go somewhere private, like the bathroom. She just, like, reads them, like, in the yard. Okay, so maybe she's not that smart. Yeah. And so, then of course, she gets caught, obviously. And... You know, this is the moment we all knew was coming where Dot is, like, hanging over the works of a terrifying machine. Um, so we also, going back to what is actually in the letters, so they're between Daisy and Hetty about a love relationship. (laughs) But then at the end of them, like, Daisy has broken things off. So Hetty's really like, and it's like, oh, you know, I can't go on with this. This This isn't right. And so... Daisy breaks things off, which is key to to Hetty's motive for the murder. Yeah, but it's weird that Daisy 
like, and presumably she's breaking it off with Hetty because she thinks it's wrong what they're doing because it's gay. Mm-hmm. But she's, I mean, it's kind of implied that she breaks it off because she's interested in Dr. Matt. No, I think that happened later. I think, well, anyways, we can discuss this in my murder recap, but that's why Hetty frames Dr. Mac for the other murder. Right, yeah. Anyways. So then Hetty, Hetty like, chases Miss Fisher around the factory. Dot, dot, in like dot a, not Miss Fisher. Oh, yeah, sorry. Hetty chases Dot around the factory. And, like, a, it's, like, a very, like, The Shining moment <laughs> where she's crazed and it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> and then Miss Fisher shows up to come to her rescue, and she uses an axe to hit the just, like, apparently exposed electrical workings and gets shot across the room. <laughs> and I was like, why didn't she just pull the lever? Like, there's a giant lever right there. But I guess it's like she couldn't yeah. be sure that that would... But when chucking at, like, an axe at this random box, that is that a more surefire way to turn off the machine than just pulling the lever? Unclear. But I like the way she shoots across the room. <laughs> Do you think that's a stunt double or, like, a doll that they launched from a cannon? <laughs> Definitely the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, there's an important moment here where, like, all the, like, 95% of the sexual tension of the episode is just zipped up into this, like, 10-second moment where Jack yells, Phryne twice as he fears for her yeah. life. And you know, he only says Phryne when he's really concerned. Because mm-hmm. usually it's Miss Fisher. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't even go to check on her. She's just like, I'm fine. And he's like, okay, I guess so. Again, <laughs> this episode could have happened like at the beginning of the season. It's like they were building, building, building. Last episode was like, whoo, And then this episode's like, done. No second. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's coming up fast. I don't remember what the next episode is, but these we've got three left, and one of them is uh, pretty steamy. Sure. I think that's 12. Um, so then, murder solved, a penitent Aunt P reinstates Mac to the hospital and then eats some humble pie. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, the pie scene is great. Also, Prudence is wearing a fantastic dress with, like, dandelions on it. Like, like Oh, I missed that. Fluffy dandelions. It's, like, really cool. Oh, that sounds great. So then Jack comes by, and I guess this is the remaining 5% of the sexual (laughs) tension, um, but they talk about the foil letter, and they have some, like, lingering glances as she, like, asks for his advice, and he's like, I know you'll do the right thing, and then she burns the letter and decides she's not going to act on it. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, this, there is a little bit of tension, and she's, like, asking for his help, which is, like, not her style, normally, but, like, mm-hmm. clearly this this thing with, with foil has a rattle, then she, like, wants Jack's help, and then they, like, get kind of very close together, and, and then he's like, well, you never listened to me anyways, <laughs> and it's like, you know yeah. what to do, and then she... She burns the letter, and I have it all caps in my notes, but no kiss ensued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we thought, you know, we thought maybe they were going to kiss, and they didn't. And I also thought that um, I was hoping that this was the end of this plot forever And when I first watched this episode. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> the Murdoch foil plot, not the Jack and Friday <laughs> plot, which is my, say, wait. You know, my favorite for all time. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not over. More to come. More to come. All right. And that's the episode. That's it. All right. So, murder recap. You ready for it? <laughs> oh, so ready. We need to get you a theme song for this. Do, 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 do. All right. So, Hattie and Daisy, tea lady, woman from the beginning, they had a relationship, a romantic relationship, but then Daisy cut things off because she wasn't comfortable with it. But then Mac comes along with her family planning and unnatural ways, and they start a fling. And Hetty is understandably pretty upset about it because that's pretty shitty. And then since she knows everything about the factory because Gaskin has kind of given her special privileges, um, she knows about the extra shifts. And so she sneaks in while Daisy is working one and removes the safety guard and pushes her into the machine. So Gaskin wants to cover it up because Gaskin doesn't want to take responsibility for the machines being unsafe. And Joyce doesn't want the extra shifts to come to light. So when Friday starts sniffing around the murder, Hetty points Poisons Gaskin to frame Mac and presumably turn attention away from Daisy's death. Um, So Colgan and Joyce are running extra shifts and having an affair, but this doesn't really have anything to do with a murderer besides the murder happening during one of the extra. And I think, so murder number one, believable. Murder number two, I I mean, where where is Hetty getting a needle to inject this bleach into this vial? How does she know that he's getting these injections? How does she know that bleach is going to cause him to have a heart attack? Like, it's it's very suspicious to me. And, like, if you're looking for, like, a poison that doesn't leave, you know, visible evidence or anything, like, bleach is not a great one. I mean, but maybe that's evidence of her incompetence. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think she knew everything about the factory, so she knew that Joyce had the key to the... Because, like, she's the tea lady, so she's everywhere, and, like, I think she she just knew everything that was going on, so she knew that Joyce had the key, and so she knew where it was kept, and so she took it and put the bleach in the bottle, and I don't know. But, yeah, second murder, last bleed, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so what did you have as your best outfit? Uh, Prudence's dress at the end. It's just great. You'll have to look, you'll have to look back at it. It's I think maybe I'm I'm picturing a dandelion print, and I think she may wear that in more than one. Yeah, episode, I think so. I'm kind of remembering it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I had Max' impeccably tailored suit, and the like. She wears different ascots throughout yes. the episode, yes. and so I love that. Very stylish lady. Yeah. Um, worst outfit? I had Joyce's beige shirt. She just like wears a shirt that's really wrong for her coloring. Uh, oh yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had the floral jacket that Franny wears throughout the episode with the beaded blouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, best week. I had Dot. She gets a cool assignment, does a really good job, gets some, like, compliments for it. Gets to, like, throw- I also had- Throw you off a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, also, like, do you think that, like, livens up their non-existent sex life, that they're having this, like, strangers, like, moment, you know, where he's like, Martha Driscoll, tea lady, and she's like, mysterious constable. I feel like it's not doing it for Hugh. He is really alarmed and not like, oh, how amusing. He's like, blah, what are you doing? Yeah, but she's a dangerous lady now. I mean, that's pretty hot. I don't know if that's what it (laughs) does it for Hugh. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Well, I also had Dot. She's living her best life in this episode, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Worst week? Uh, Dr. Mac, obviously. Um, Yeah, lover murdered, accused of murder. Bad week. But I also put honorable mention Hugh. No one listens to him, especially not his girlfriend, and he has to go through the (laughs) trash for what what seems to be hours, hours of trash sifting. Oh, just the worst. The worst. Um, New skill? Um, I put blood spatter forensic pathologist. Oh, I put... But she isn't really. I put photography. That's a better one, yeah. (laughs) Also, do we see her take photos in other episodes? Never again. We never see her take another photo. Just too bad. It's a really cool little camera. And you know that if if Miss Fisher were alive in 2018, she would be the friend that makes everyone take selfies. She'd be like, okay, everybody, get get in, get in, get together. (laughs) Bert... Kneel down. Dot, you need to get in closer. Sess, your eyes were closed. (laughs) Yeah. And then she'd be like, Jack, I'm tagging you in this. I don't care what you think. And he'd be like, no. (laughs) Yep. Um, Murder method. Uh, 100. (laughs) That's not, it's a 1 to 10 scale, Mackenzie. 1 to 10. Well, I mean, we get a gruesome close-up. And I honestly, I think both murder methods are kind of awesome, like bleach injection. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, even though I don't really, I don't really think Hetty, which my notes app has autocorrected to Hottie, <laughs> was really capable of this bleach maneuver. But wh- like, where would she get the tools and knowledge? But I still think that like both were awesome. <laughs> I just put six with no explanation. So fascinating. I clearly wasn't as impressed with these these murders as you were. But just picture the legs jerking as they're pulled into the machine. I mean, that is some grade A, like, freaky shit. True. But, see, I think, well, no. (laughs) I think my six is sort of an average. But but I think my approach to my ratings for the murder method is sort of creativity and uniqueness. So throwing someone into a machine, it's not that creative. It's a very blunt measure. It's like, oh, here's this very ominous spinning machinery. I'm just going to shove you in. Yeah. It's not, like, clever. You're, it's just, like, you're angry and you shove someone into some dangerous factory machinery. Huh. I guess, yeah, I'm not really... I mean, I, I do give points for creativity and uniqueness, but I also have sort of, like, a Howard Stern shock jockey approach to this, where just, like, you know, if there's blood spattering, like, that's pretty cool, so... <laughs> You know, bonus points. <laughs> See, because, like, to me, the bleach thing is, like, it's more creative. It's very devious. Like, you had to figure out a bunch of different, like, components to pull it off, and then she pulls it off successfully. So that, I give that a higher rating than the machinery. And yeah. The machinery out of All right. Um, okay. Sexual tension? I had five, which I, I feel like you're probably going to disagree with, but they, they get really close at the end, like, they almost kiss, and there's some, like, bickering throughout, and... They're working together, but no real, real sparks, so. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think in terms of faces really close together, our episode-by-episode average is probably more like two or three times an episode, and we only get it once. Yeah, that's true. So, I gave it a three because of the frightening that happens where he says her name. 
Yeah. Yeah. For any, it's a new verb I invented. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and yeah, at the, I mean, at the end when she's asking for his help and then he says frying, so I don't know if it's sexual tension, but it's like, I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't be so hard on this episode being out of sequence in their relationship. Yeah, I mean, do you think maybe they just, like, recorded these out of order and then shuffled them around? No, they definitely didn't. That's a ridiculous thing to say. No, because in this season, there's one plot line, the one you don't like, the plot line that shall not be named, that sort of, like, is threaded through the whole season. So they're definitely in (laughs) season. I shouldn't be so hard on it. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. <laughs> All right. But I think I think that wraps us up it for does. this episode. So next week. Um, next week is season one, episode 11, Blood and Circuses. Oh, I love all the circus episodes, so. All of them. It's a good one, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's some circus outfits. There's a strong man that I like <laughs> in this next one. Anyway, we can talk about that next week. Oh, we'll definitely talk about oh, that and- next week. Um, listeners, if you are enjoying our podcast, please like and subscribe and rate us on iTunes and please write to us if you have any questions or suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so yeah. Every lady needs a hobby at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. You can comment on our website. We're very available for you. <laughs> the lines are open. <laughs> oh, we're accepting calls right now. Uh, just, just kidding. Don't call us. Don't, no, <laughs> we don't have a phone number for the show, so. Uh, slip into, slide into our DMs. <laughs> Great. Well, see you next week. Till next week.